It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason, J. Lou Lewis. And today, we're going to get to diving in to the story and the, and the value add of doing your first syndication that and in this specific interview is going to be about self-storage. So Kenneth Hayes is jumping on today. We're very excited. He's going to walk us through his kind of first deal and just his experience share that he can share with us. He's the founding partner of H&K Capital Partners. He strives to provide his investors and partners with a stable cash flow return and long-term appreciation. He has his background as in single family, residential, wholesaling, rehabbing, and now he's jumping in the self-storage owner and syndicator. So I'm excited to have uh, Kenneth on today and, and Kenneth, welcome. Oh man, thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Hey, it's going great. We're here in uh, Denver, the sun's out, the weather's nice. So it's, it's, it's been a good summer outside of all the, all the craziness that's, that's, that's going on. So, but yeah, well, we're, our kind of goal today is, is to kind of jump in and, and tell us, so, you know, just a little bit about kind of the background before you got into the real estate game and then just jump right in to kind of the experience share of, of doing mm-hmm. your first deal and getting to the closing table. I'd like our listeners to experience what it kind of takes through sending all the letters and tents and letter of intent and, all of the mentorship that you've got to get to that first deal and get to the closing table. Yeah, sure. So by trade, professional IT uh, professional focused on, for some of your listeners that are IT folks on the Cisco technology side. So sold a lot of voiceover IP video solutions, Yeah, you know, done some work for the U S government on that side as well as commercial uh, customers as well. So, you know, small guy here in Atlanta, but, you know, we just, just been really focused on growth, you know, and in my career and, you know, just, just really excited to get in, into the industry, man. And, you know, having a father who's a real estate guy really kind of helped push me to get on that track along with my wife as well. But uh, that, that's it, man. You know, it was a lot of influence from family to really push, the, you know, the, the real estate business. So just like in my bio, I started residential and, partnered with a good friend of mine and now we're in the commercial space and yeah, I'm not looking back at all. Great. Well, you closed on your first commercial deal, which was a self storage. Mm -hmm. So take us through some of the lessons you learned there that might value add to our listeners of getting over that, that hump of the first deal. A lot of people will get to the point of mentorship. They'll send out a lot of Mm -hmm. letters. They'll make phone calls They'll get defeated and they will just call it good and never do their first deal. Yeah. So, you know, for us, or primarily for, for, for my team and I, you know, we, we've underwritten a lot of deals and, you know, we've gotten, especially with this particular deal, we, we, submitted, we submitted an offer. The facility is about a few hours away from us. So we were really determined to take down our first deal. So, you know, we, we looked at it as a, you know, hey, this is a hurdle that we've got to overcome because we're looking at the bigger picture. You know, we've got to, we, we've got to succeed. So for us, you know, the, the biggest thing, the biggest driving factor is, you know, we have that saying, we've got to do what we've got to do, right? And, 
you know, leading up to that deal, our challenges we had were the market at the time, you know, as soon as the pandemic happened, banks just started to, you know, shift focus on assisting with small businesses and providing funding and that sort of thing. So with our story, that property, we submitted the LOI, met their owner, the facility, great guy. Then, you know, we went under contract and, you know, we had a, our closing day actually got pushed uh, further along. And we had everything, we've done our due diligence. And next thing you know, COVID hit and our finance period got expanded. I think we had like three extensions on this opportunity in order for us to get to the closing table. So, you know, the biggest thing I'll tell anybody is patience, 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 patience. If your numbers look good and your investors are confident that you can pull pull the deal off and you're, in, and you're very confident in yourself as an owner operator, the deal is well worth it. So you know, we, we had some growing pains and we're still dealing with some transitional stuff from the old owner to, to us. But I mean, it's, it's been going well, very well. It's great. How many properties did you underwrite or send LOIs to, which is letter of intent? So kind of tell us the, the time frame and, and how many deals mm-hmm. you guys looked at before actually pulling the trigger. Yeah. So our primary business in the, in, in the beginning of the company, we focused on multifamily. So, you know, we, we, we reviewed over, geez, probably a couple thousand properties, sent out probably about two or 3,000, you know, LOIs from starting from 2017 up to the, the decision to go into uh, self-storage. And it was, it was a little discouraging at, at the time because again, you know, you got capital coming in from all over the place and people are taking deals out, especially here in the Atlanta market. So from, from that standpoint, we, we decided to, in 2019, you know, at the end of 2019, say, hey, listen, we, you know, we're going to put this, this offer in and we're just going to just go, go for it. And so after a few self-storage contracts, you know, actually a few self-storage LOIs we put out, one actually got accepted from a property in North Georgia, but we found out that the owner also had multifamily. And so he he had some bad accounting practices that kind of made the numbers look really bad. And so we had to walk away from that deal. But luckily, because we had a really good relationship with the broker, uh, the broker introduced us to another deal, which is the deal that we took down, which is 94 units in South Georgia. And it just it just worked out well. So for self-storage, you know, we put in about four or five LOIs and we really start pushing self-storage for like the past six months. And we were very fortunate to take down our first deal within six months of looking at self-storage. That's great. So I think takeaway there to listeners is, is you, you're going on three years of underwriting, sending letter of intents, mm-hmm. and just overall engaged in the market. That's, that, can, that can be very discouraging for the average investor. A lot of times it's a month yeah. or two months, let alone six months, let alone three yeah. years to get that first deal. So I think that's the, the takeaway from, from this is that you just got to stick with it because there are so yeah. many people right now getting into the real estate game. The stock market's crazy. The world's kind of crazy mm-hmm. and everyone sees the value of real estate. It is, it's the quote, sexy thing. And it yeah. is tough. And you either stick it, stick with it like, you know, Kenneth did, or you give up after a few months because there's someone out there. There's another Kenneth who's willing to out stick you, yeah. I guess you can, I don't know if that's the right terminology, yeah. you know, out, out weather you to, to get the deal. So they're just waiting for all the other people to fall off and, and give up and then, and then they can, they can get that deal. So any experience yeah. shares of getting to the actual closing table being kind of your first 
commercial deal, investment deal with, with any experience shares with the funding or the capital mm-hmm. raise or any of that? Yeah. So with the capital raise, you know, we, while in the process of, you know, looking at multifamily and that sort of thing, we started building relationships with other general partners. And, you know, I have a, a young lady on my team by the name of April. She's our, our investor relations officer. So she's, she has a huge network of high net worth individuals that wanted to get into the real estate game as well. So we, as we really started to put our sample deal packages together and started talking about, you know, hey, these are the type of returns we're looking at producing from the assets that we're looking to take down to, you know, hey, as, you know, we take this one deal down together, we're going to continue to grow, you know, as we take down more assets. So, you know, as we, you know, positioned our strategy and telling our story, people started to understand our vision and it became like a, a, a long-term marriage, if you will. So when when we first started our self-storage syndication, we had almost a million dollars of soft commitment raised already because everybody just wanted to get in real estate. They didn't want to deal with the stock market because they didn't know what was going on. Numbers were getting tight in multifamily. So, you know, some people are like, well, I'm getting like a 4%, 5% return on my money. And I kind of want to do something different, you know, with my money. So when when we start having conversations about an alternative investment vehicle, you know, with self-storage, then eyes started to open and ears started to perk, and they said, "Yeah, you know, we'll let's let's do it. We'll we'll give you ten thousand. We'll give you twenty thousand. You know, we'll give you twenty five thousand for your, you know first opportunity, and uh, and that's just really how it started. So the unique deal, uh, the unique financing about this deal uh, that we just closed, it was mom and pop owned, and the and the 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 owner had a great relationship with the actual the, the current lien holder of the title of the property." So we went to a bank before we went to the local bank and tried to get financing with them. And they said, well, the deal was a little bit small, so we, we won't work for us. So we decided to go with the, the strategy that most owner operators go with local community banks. We did that. Just so happens we had a great relationship with the owner. The owner turned us on to his loan officer at the uh, bank that actually not, not, now holds the exact same title that we that he had previously on the property. And we just essentially just did business with the same bank the, the, uh, the old owner did. So a uh, new loan, it was a conventional loan. We raised about 25000 The purchase price, which I think was like 160000 and got a 15-year AM on that. And my, I can't remember the, the specifics of it, but my, that's, and then my business partner is really, that's his thing. He handles all the underwriting and the financing, but we got some pretty good terms on that deal. I think it was like five and a quarter or something like that, or maybe five even. But yeah, I mean, the financing on that, it, it was great. We had the, the bank was great folks to work with. And, you know, the, we, again, at that last minute, some investors can relate to this when you're getting close to the closing date and all the funds aren't there. You're worried about, Hey, I got to get this transferred. I, I need this PPM signed because we did a 506 B on this. And, you know, folks are just, you know, it took time to get money transferred over. So that was the most stressful part about getting the deal funded, but it worked out well. I mean, I think we had all the funds in there like the week before closing. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. We'll jump right in to the final five. If that works for you, Kenneth. Sounds good. Excellent. This episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have... Uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind 
uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. We're back from break with my man, Kenneth Hayes. We're going to jump right into the final five. Kenneth, take us through the your most kind of creative deal that you experienced during your three years of underwriting. Wow. So let's see. There was a 20-unit multifamily acquisition that we were looking at back in 2018. And with this deal, it was very, it was unique. So the owner had the 20 unit apartment complex, but he also had 14 single family residents as well. So, you know, what was unique about that, you know, we, at first we wanted the, just a multifamily piece, but he's like, I have to sell the entire package. So from an underwriting standpoint, we had to underwrite all the financials from the single family, and then incorporate that into the multifamily underwriting, which was a little convoluted because again, you know, he was the only, he was really, he didn't have a system. So it was just like, well, here's a paper trail, of all the rents that I'm collecting and I'm writing out all the utilities and that's what I have. So trying to figure all that out, trying to understand how all the insurance costs and all the other stuff was very stressful. You know, when, when the broker put it together, it was like, hey, this is a, a 30 unit deal. We're like, oh, great. So 30 unit deal, but now we have single family. Great. We're trying to get out of the single family business. But yeah, that was that was a very interesting deal. So, but most of the deals have just been pretty straightforward. So, but yeah, that was a very unique deal. Nice. I, and that was one that you guys decided to end up passing on. Is that correct? Well, so the, the story with that one is after we, we finally came to an agreement on that deal between us and the seller, he went into the hospital and we were concerned. We were like, hey, what's going on? And, and when he finally got out, he, did, he decided to say, well, you know what? I think I'm just going to leave it to my kids. And I'm like, really? We, we spent two or three weeks trying to negotiate the price to get you close to what you wanted, but you wanted to leave it to your kids. So I said, whatever. That's fine. I understand. So... Yeah, that that was rough. Yeah, they're they're back uh, to the kind of comment we were talking about at the beginning of the episode is just that perseverance because mm-hmm. a lot of people would, yep. would just give up and say, "Man, this isn't meant to be at this point." So, right. right, well, take take us into the what you learned and what your value add of of one of your favorite books or mentorships that, that you've read or experienced. Kind of a, a value add that you could share with the listeners from that book or program. So for me, I have a lot of books. One is the four hour work week, which kind of launched me into the entrepreneur mindset. It, I actually apply those same principles as I in the corporate world. You know, it, it, what I normally do on a day to day basis, you know, I work as an architect. So my job is to go put design, uh, design solutions together and, and sell them to our customers. Um, but it, I, I realized that, you know, I can get a lot done within that four, four hour work week. And I, I take that same mindset and, and apply it to our, our real estate company because the first four hours a day after I do my Bible study and that sort of thing, I'm really focused on getting the tasks that I need to get done that week because once I'm done with those tasks, I'm focused now on my family. You know, my wife, now she's a stay-at-home mom now, and, you know, we just had a daughter recently. So whenever she needs me to do things, I've got the time to dedicate to her after I get all my calls and shoot out emails and offers. But, yeah, I mean, that book has been a great saving grace for me. And, again, like I said, my my, my Bible is my primary source for my motivation as well. So 
Great. Well, w- one one tip that you learned from the four hour work week that you that you implement, you'd like to to share. So, yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from that book, it that book really educates you on thinking big, right? Dreaming big, you know, being able to do what you need to do in a short period of time, but be able to enjoy life. And that was a huge inspiration for me. And for your listeners, I'll tell anybody, you know, if you're really determined to take down your first deal or portfolio, use that book as your foundation. Because again, you've got to put the hard work in, in the beginning, you've got to get out of that mindset of I work this nine to five, there's no way I can do this pick up that book because that book will motivate you and it will change your mindset. And you will say to yourself, yes, I can actually do this because I want to live this lifestyle of freedom. At the end of the day, it's all about being free. That's great. I appreciate sharing that. Where do you see the market in, in five years, anything specific and kind of where do you see yourself at that time? Well, for the market, the market, is, that's a very interesting question because <laughs> I mean, we're in some interesting times right now. So for me, I feel like to predict what's going on in the market is kind of hard to tell right now. I do know for myself and my team, we are dead focused on taking more deals down. And, you know, we're also looking to incorporate, you know, our youth and our, the next generation of entrepreneurs to come in with us. So that's in the next five years, I want to be able to raise a, a group of young real estate investors, you know, um, from the inner city and, and teach them how to build a business, you know, how to build wealth and be able to make change in their family's lives that maybe their parents couldn't do, but being able to, you know, show those guys, Hey, listen, you know, this is how you do a deal. And this is how you run a legit business and teach them how to build relationships so they can go partner with other folks and be able to do the same things over and over again. So, you know, just being a positive influence in folks' lives and and really just raising my daughter, man, and making sure that she understands the business because she's going to take care of her mommy and her daddy when we old and in, in, in wheelchairs. So, you know, that, that, that's my, that's what I see in the next five years. So. That's great. That's a easy transition. And the next question then is, is what do you do to give back to the real estate community that's given enough uh, to you to, to have been able to knock down your first deal? No, I'll tell uh, any folks, man, I, I, if, People have questions. I, I, I'm always a phone call away or, you know, I'm an email away. So I, I love to sit down and talk to anyone about what next steps are, you know, or, or, you know, any kind of recommendations I can give them. You know, I've been in the business for just a few years now, you know, and I've learned a lot, but I haven't learned enough to call myself a guru. So I, the value add, I believe I can, I can bring to the community is, hey, you know, if I, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to find the answer and I will get back to you or get you connected to the, the people in my network that I know that can answer that question for you. Because I, I feel like if, if you're really eager to learn and you're hungry, you'll want to be, you, you'll want to succeed, but it, sometimes you need a helping hand. So, you know, I want to make sure I'm that helping hand to make sure that if you want to accomplish those goals, I'm, I'm that bridge to help you get to where you need to go and align you with the right folks. That's great. Well, if, if people do want to reach out, they want to get some of that motivation or they have some questions on getting that first deal mm-hmm. knocked down, what's the best way we can put in the show notes for them to reach out to you? Yeah, so you can shoot me an email at khays at hkcapital.net. You can follow us on Instagram at hkcapitalcrei. And you can check out our website, www.hkcapital.net. 
Awesome. We'll put those in the show notes. We'll throw a link to the four-hour work week in there. And it's just been an overall pleasure having you on today, Kenneth, and sharing your experience getting to that first deal and over the three years of, of hurdles that you had. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on the show. And next time you come to Atlanta, man, we definitely got to hang out. And we'll, take you, we'll take you to the facility so you can see the blood, sweat, and tears. But it's worth it. Uh, excellent. And by then, hopefully, you'll have a, a few more, or not hopefully, positive, uh, positive vibes yep, out there will. in the world. You will. You will. Yep. You'll have a few more, and, and we, can, we can check out all the cool stuff you guys are doing to add some value into the multifamily and, and or storage world. So greatly appreciate it, Kenneth. Sounds good. And as always, our listeners, until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.